Next on BYU Sports Nation, the Urgency Bowl at Rocky Top. Which program needs a win most this Saturday, BYU or Tennessee? The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, on where BYU has the biggest advantage over Tennessee this week. Plus a story of courage from women's volleyball head coach Heather Olmsted. She's worked miracles for her team and by definition is a miracle. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Wednesday, September 4th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who loves himself some little Smokies, Jason Shepard. Uh, isn't that where, like, the, uh, the, the Smoky Mountains, that is where little Smokies originated from. Is that yes. correct? Yes. That, that's, that's where that happened, right? You, it would make sense, right? I don't, I don't know. You're the expert on Look, it. You here, should know. Here's the deal. I don't know where they came from. Quite frankly, I don't even know what they're made of. Here's what I do know. They're delicious. <laughs> I trust that, dude. <laughs> You can't go wrong with a little smoky, right? Let me tell you, one of my favorite elementary school lunches was Lil Smokies, and you have to say Lil uh-huh. apostrophe like, Smokies. Like Lil Kim. Not Little Smokies, Lil Smokies and macaroni and cheese. Like, uh, not how Simon Cowell says <laughs> Little Kim. Yes. Little <laughs> Smoky. No, mm, no, Lil. Del- Lil. Mm, delicious. <laughs> And with that, we welcome you and your appetites to BYU Sports Nation. Loaded show lineup, including the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, where he expects the biggest improvement for BYU going from that loss to Utah in Week 1 to a Tennessee showdown in Week 2. We go between the lines with the real Great Lake of Utah. (laughs) You'll understand what that means in just a minute. And if you missed the deep blue story with women's volleyball head coach Heather Olmstead, you need to pay attention. It's seriously, and I tweeted this out the other day, it's one of the better stories I've seen in a very, very long time. Inspirational, full of courage. Heather Olmstead is a walking miracle. Yes, she's done miraculous things for her team as coach. She's a miracle, and you'll understand why. Cannot wait for that. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The BYU Football Cougars. Now one day closer to Rocky Top and Tennessee on Saturday. Head coach Kalani Sitake Not surprisingly, feels like it's going to come down to the trenches and specifically the offensive line to have an advantage against the Vols. Yeah, and I think that's going to be um, something that we have to expose as much as possible. You know, so I think we feel comfortable with uh, our guys up front, how big they are, and um, we've got to find a way to make that a strength because you look at their team, they have... I mean, they, they have some really good players as well, but they, they have some youth and some experience at full line. All right. The Battle of the Trenches once again. BYU kicks off against Tennessee, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on ESPN. Countdown to kickoff. Your everything you need to know pregame show one hour before kickoff on BYU TV. And if you're listening on the radio, that pregame starts two hours before kickoff at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific, live on BYU Radio. BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope said he hopes to have senior guard Zach Selius back for the season opener. Selius returned early from the team's trip to Italy after breaking his foot. Assistant coach Chris Burgess said he expects other players to step up in the absence of Selius and Yoli Child as they prepare for the season. 
we're, we're fortunate we have Dalton Nixon, we have Colby Lee, we have Gavin Baxter, we can slip to different positions, right? He can play the four and five. And so we're going to need guys to step up. Trevin Nell just getting off his mission, we're going to need minutes from him. We're going to have to slide Jake probably two, three, and four at those positions. We're going to have to slide Connor Harding two, three, and four, right? Mm-hmm. All right, BYU basketball, don't blink. It'll be here before you know it, late October. BYU women's soccer ranked number 10 in the latest United Soccer Coaches poll following a 7-0 victory over Southern Utah at Southfield last Friday night in front of over 4,000 fans. The Cougars now 3-0 to start the season. They've outscored their opponents 10-1. Elise Flake leads the Cougars with three goals scored. They host rival Utah on Friday, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. You can watch that game live on BYU TV or listen to it on the radio with Jason Shepard. That's right. Jerem on the TV call. I'll be on the radio call. And I'll be eating Lil Smokies <laughs> in Tennessee. You'll be eating Lil Smokies. <laughs> BYU women's volleyball is ranked number 13 in the latest ABCA coaches poll. Cougars open the season at home with wins over Boise State and UVU, and then a loss to number 16 Marquette. BYU hosts Long Island, Sam Houston State, and Weber State this week in the doTERRA Classic beginning Thursday at 9 Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it and so are we it's what's trending on byu sports nation the battle to avoid Owen two byu and tennessee staring down each other and i'm not ready to call it the desperation bowl but it is certainly the urgency bowl at rocky top based on what happened to each of these teams in their first games byu with another rivalry loss to utah they're hungry Tennessee with the worst loss in college football in week one, losing to a team that was 2-10 and ten last year, Georgia State. That said, it's regroup, refocus for both of these sides, and we really have no idea what to expect. But Tennessee star Jawan Jennings did offer this as to what he expects and what team he thinks will show up on the other side. I, I didn't sign up for a one-game fight, you know, this uh, 12-game fight. That's what we're going to come in and do each and every week from here on out. That's all we got to do is prepare and um, just focus on one game at a time. It will be a hornet's nest early at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. The question is, can BYU survive that early hornet's nest and what transpires once you get through about the first quarter? Jason, do your best. Step back from your bias. Okay. <laughs> Which program? What bias do you speak of? Which program needs the win more this Saturday, BYU or Tennessee? Look, Tennessee, the program needs this win more. The Tennessee program needs this win more. Jason Shepard. Look, look, no, try, no, follow me on this, okay? This is not. This is not. You don't want to be the answer to this one, okay? After losing to Georgia State, everything, at least from a media standpoint, has been ultra negative. I mean, they are being brutalized locally and nationally, and an 0-2 start with both games at home will not go over well. Now, that doesn't mean BYU goes into this carefree without a, a care in the world. Losing to Utah may not have been the huge upset that losing to Georgia State was, but BYU absolutely expected to win that game. I expected BYU to win that game. Starting 0-2 for the Cougars is not how they planned it either. To me, when you think of the situations, though, things seem much more dire in Knoxville. No question. So for me, I think it's Tennessee. But here's where BYU needs to take advantage of that, though. BYU needs to take advantage of that feeling in Knoxville and use it 
to go out and put this team away early. You have you get an early lead, you start having Tennessee question themselves, the volunteers may fall apart. There's a lot of pressure on them right now. So for me, from a program perspective, I think it's bigger for Tennessee. Let's look at this from season expectations, a season expectations standpoint. The volunteers and their fan base expected to be 3 and 0 in their non-conference slate. 3 and 0. They are in serious danger of going 0 and 2. And Jeremy Pruitt, he might not make it through the whole season. That's the other part of this. Their head coach might not make it through the whole season if Tennessee doesn't qualify for a bowl game. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. Now for BYU, the expectation was what? We were hopeful at best. Like we thought, okay, at best, BYU is going to go three and one in the first four. That would be remarkable. That would be incredible. Even two and two. Would all of you take two and two right now after the loss to Utah? Yes, because you would have two seriously quality wins. My expectation was BYU is probably going to do what they have done in the past, and that's win around 40% of their Power Five games, which translates to one and three or two and two. So after BYU lost to Utah, I'm like, okay. One and three, that doesn't take away from what I think BYU is going to do for the season. Seven and five. The Cougars are not as desperate as Tennessee is. There is not as much desperation. We work for BYU TV. We're simulcast on BYU radio. This is BYU radio vision. It's called BYU Sports Nation. Of course, we all want BYU to win, and we feel the urgency for the Cougars. It's desperation for Tennessee. Yes. It is not desperation for BYU. So outside of the BYU bubble, you ask any national analyst, which team needs this win more on Saturday? I would be shocked to hear somebody say BYU because of what happened to Tennessee last week. It is desperation on their side. It is more urgency. Yes. yes. On BYU's side. There is panic in Knoxville. We're on the same page with this then. Panic. See, you used desperation. I said dire. Like, these are all not words you want to have associated with your program. You want to talk about DEFCON levels? Right now, Tennessee is like DEFCON 2. They're one step away from nuclear warfare. Hypothetically, or sorry, uh, theoretically speaking. Okay, good. Okay, and this might be why, which takes us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU football had as many Power 5 wins, two, as Tennessee did last season, two. Remind me, Jason, does BYU play in a Power 5 conference? Um, BYU does not play in a Power 5 conference. They do not. BYU plays four Power 5 games this year. Tennessee's going to play upwards of nine. So... Two on two, it's t- it is panic time, desperation time for Tennessee. It's more just urgency and, okay, BYU, we, we, we got to get things going. There are different, different feelings here, which is why outside of the BYU bubble, it's Tennessee. All right, on to topic two. And let's stay with the same concept. Okay. Same concept for the discussion. But instead of program, let's take out the word program. Mm-hmm. Or team, and insert the word fan base, okay? (laughs) So, Spencer, which fan base needs the win more on Saturday, BYU or Tennessee? Oh, this is really tough, too. (laughs) I think, okay, so here's where it is a little bit different. I think a lot of Tennessee fans have straight up just given up. We've got one of them. It's in the fan transfer portal. Yes, probably more than one, just one publicly. (laughs) I think Tennessee fans 
a lot of them have have given up because of what happened to Georgia State. So it's kind of like they're numb. They're they're numb to what happens now. That's their NFL team. Like that's their in, professional in, in team. Knoxville, yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I mean, otherwise you got to drive three and a half tight, hours to I mean, Nashville. But I mean, that's their pro team sure. for their town. BYU fans have endured a ninth consecutive loss to Utah. And the Cougars need some type of positivity. There's nothing like losing to your rival nine times in a row to make you sick to your stomach. Nine times, Mrs. Bueller. Nine times. Nine <laughs> times. <laughs> so on this, uh, from the strictly fan base standpoint, because I think Tennessee fans are numb and many of them are like, whatever, they've written them off. Yes. So that they've yes. written off Tennessee already. BYU fans haven't written off the Cougars. So uh, because there's still that hope there, I think it would benefit BYU's fan base more if they went in there and got a win on the road. Look, I'm going with BYU fans too. Look, I, I stand by everything I said in terms of the program with Tennessee needing it. But in terms of the fan base, look here. Here's the other part. At the end of the day, I don't have a connection to Tennessee fans. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't really care what the Tennessee fan base thinks. I do care what the BYU fan base thinks. <laughs> I do care about how the BYU fan base feels on a day-to-day basis. Number one, because... We work at BYU. As you mentioned, this is BYU Sports Nation. But the other part of it is I'm a part of that. Yeah, yeah. I don't want BYU to lose. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I, so for that, that's why I say the BYU fan base needs it more. Like, just talking to people, seeing people after the game on Thursday, whether it was just out and about, at the gym, at church, the BYU fan base needs yes. this team to win. You want facts? Tennessee's already bottomed out. Like they, they can't get any lower. It can't, even if they lose to BYU, it cannot get any lower than it did by losing to Georgia State at home in your season opener. It can't. Like I, I, I feel like they've bottomed out. BYU has not bottomed no, out. No, and, and I think what you said, look, BYU with a win on Saturday, or, or quite frankly a loss, everything in terms of the number of wins and the opportunity, it's still there for BYU. But if you, if you win on Saturday, it's never going to take the sting away from losing to Utah. But at the end of the day, regardless of how good or bad Tennessee is, there is still a W next to a game in which you played a team from the Southeastern sure, Conference. Sure, That's a big, big deal. A- absolutely. And I just care more about what BYU fans think than Tennessee fans. So we, that's why I say it's a bigger deal. So we think... Around 10,000, maybe more because of what happened and tickets are available, at least 10,000 BYU fans are going to show up in Neyland Stadium. They travel well. Or is it that they actually travel, Jason? It's more that BYU fans are just everywhere, and Bomani Jones of ESPN understands that. Yesterday on his podcast, The Right Time with Bomani Jones, he said, quote, BYU football is the most visible public representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then said, they've got church members everywhere, so they'll show up to watch BYU. Jason, in your opinion, is BYU football the most visible public representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? My initial reaction was no. And the reason I say that is because my initial reaction in terms of the public representation would be missionaries okay that was my initial reaction but then the more i thought about it and then i i went back and, and listened to the comments again i can certainly understand 
why Bomani would say that. And he's right. When, it, when BYU comes to town, attendance goes up. And by the way, so do ticket prices, by the way, because they know they can capitalize on that. You have wards, stakes, branches that come together to go to the games and support the team. And people notice that. With BYU's association with ESPN as well, look, they're on national television, worldwide television, if you really think about it, which also helps the visibility of the church. Here's what else stood out to me about Bomani's comments. They were all very complimentary. Nationally these days, it seems like a lot of the national attention we get is, is somewhat negative or people taking shots at us. So it was actually nice to hear somebody discussing it logically and, and honestly accurately. It was also pretty cool that Bomani knows to call us the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's researched. That, that I, thought that was a, I thought that was a huge deal. Yeah, a couple of things really stand out. Not many people understand the dynamic of BYU and why fans always show up at games. And he was comparing BYU to Liberty. That's how, yes. Liberty is trying to become as a religious institution, and they want to build and work on all this. I I appreciated that he understands why BYU fans are everywhere, and it's because of the affiliation with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's just nice to hear... An educated opinion yeah, right. on this. Yes. Okay? For once. And maybe I'm not being fair to most national writers, but I just was like, he, this is a guy that knows. And I appreciated that a lot. Yes, he, he was not just saying it flippantly. He, he had done the research and knew what he was talking about. All right. Loaded show still to come, including the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. Yeah, and Mary Lake tells her story coming up in a few minutes on Between the Lines. Which fan base needs it more, people? Sound off. Hashtag BYUSN. Is it the Cougars or Volunteers? I'm guessing most people are going to say BYU, Jason. I would imagine that's correct. This is BYU Sports Nation. I want to make desserts that are so good that someone comes in and if they're having a bad day, it's chocolate therapy. It's difficult to make a dessert shop profitable. (laughs) The business side and the vision side have to go hand in hand or the vision dies. So Deseret first helped me when I needed to attain additional financial capital. I actually really do trust that they want me to succeed. My name is LaDonia Jones and my why is I want to be a day changer. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Stay tuned after BYU Sports Nation today for BYU football with Kalani Satake. Coach Satake discusses the Utah game and previews the matchup with Tennessee. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. And we have received some breaking news that we are bringing to BYU Sports Nation in a release from Brigham Young University. We will get to that in just a moment. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. A loaded show as BYU football prepares for Tennessee, and we are learning some breaking news regarding BYU basketball and what has happened in the Cougars' appeal to reinstate 47 wins for Dave Rose and BYU basketball. Let's BYU Sports Nation breaking news. This has just been announced that the NCAA has denied the appeal in regard to the vacated 47 wins for Coach Rose and BYU Hoops as a result of the investigation into Nick Emery's receipt of improper benefits during the 2016-2017 season. A statement from the university says, and I quote, 
BYU is concerned about the harmful precedent that this case sets and the message it sends to NCAA membership who may now be punished with a vacation of records, regardless of whether the institution knew about or participated in the violations. Quote continues, BYU strongly disagrees with the NCAA imposing this penalty in a case that included clear findings that there was no lack of institutional control, no failure to monitor, and no head coach responsibility for the violations. A key mission of the NCAA's infractions program is to prescribe fair and appropriate penalties. Today's decision is unprecedented and unfair to BYU and other institutions committed to compliance, end quote. Wow, strong statement from BYU. The biggest deal here is, Jason, BYU's coaching staff and nobody else associated with the program were found to know anything about this, and yet the whole program is being punished, even though they were totally disassociated with this. It was the uh, wrong decision when it was originally announced, and this is just compounding a wrong decision. Holy cow. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, joins us in studio. Greg, always nice to have you. This is not a happy topic per se, but um, very interested to get your opinion on this. What, what do you think of this? And how We think it's bogus, obviously. What does this do to Dave Rose's legacy? Well, you, you, you have to look at the fact that the NCAA – hasn't ruled like this before. This is this. There, there was no institutional knowledge or awareness, and it was an individual violation. The institution's clearly being brought to pay for something individual. And in the past, vacations of records have always had an institutional tie-in. And there's no real institutional tie or responsibility here. Uh, it was truly, it appeared to be individual in nature. And so the institution is now doing something that uh, the NCAA has not made other schools do historically, that is vacate records or something like this. And so uh, from what I understand, it's the first time that a vacation has uh, a vacation of records has coincided with a lack of institutional uh, knowledge or awareness of the violations. So that's unfortunate. And you hate to end up with any kind of asterisk. And uh, BYU's been, you know, free of that forever, right? Uh, and and so you just you just don't want to have that have to be part of your uh, you know part of your portfolio. No, oh, here's the thing: BYU has cooperated. They cooperated with this in hopes that the NCAA would. I don't know, perhaps deal them a hand of mercy in yeah. all of this, but it feels like it's compounding with the Yoli Child's nine-game suspension and now the deny the denial of this appeal. I, I mean, yeah. at, what, at what point are you like, okay, maybe we shouldn't play nice anymore? Yeah, it, appear, it appeared that BYU did everything right once they became aware of, of this individual situation, and yet the punishment is as harsh as it would be for an uh, institution that was uh, uh, either reckless or intentionally circumventing regulations. It's unfortunate. All right, let's uh, let's move on to some uh, some football. Big game, obviously, this week with BYU on the road at Tennessee. Both teams looking to rebound. What was your biggest takeaway from last Thursday night's game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Well, the takeaway was the takeaways <laughs> from Utah. Utah had three of them. BYU had none, and that was the ball game. I mean, really, almost nothing else you want to talk about from last week matters. It just doesn't. Um, you know, BYU lost the game by eighteen. And, and and gave Utah 20 points directly off of turnovers. That's it. 22 yards of total offense to score 20 points because yeah. two of those turnovers were pick sixes. BYU's defense kept Utah's offense from a lot of chunk plays. They really weren't there. The chunk plays were the pick sixes. And and the fumble exchange here results in a touchdown with three plays later. So, yeah, it, it's... <laughs> 
normally BYU and Utah are going to play a tight, a tight, closely contested thing that will come down to the end. It didn't this time because minus three in the margin and uh, minus 15 over nine years, which is also another remarkable number in this thing. But you can break it down any number of ways you want. But uh, uh, And then there were some things BYU wanted to do in that game that actually got done, but it just doesn't matter. When it's minus three, uh, Utah's clean again as they've been more often. You know, they, 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 they've been clean in four of the nine wins they've had over BYU, that is zero turnovers. And BYU hasn't had a turnover-free game yet in any of the nine losses. So it, it almost is all about that right now. We're just full of good news right now, aren't we? <laughs> Holy a happy cow. show today. Let's try and uh, yeah, bring up the mood a little bit. And let's be optimistic. Let's put on the blue goggles a little bit, Greg. Where Greg, do you, you expect to see BYU's biggest I'm going big time. Yes, yes we need it. Where do you expect to see BYU's biggest improvement in week number two? Run game, O-line play. Uh, I, I think it was actually maybe even there for BYU last week, but they never really got a chance to truly explore it. Uh, they snapped only 55 plays. They had only 10 running back handoffs for the game. If you take away uh, a reverse and a fly sweep and the quarterback runs, 10 handoffs to a running back. That's a low number. And I think the O-line probably feels they had a lot more left in the tank last week and I think they want to show that this week uh, I, I think BYU is committed to throwing it and that's going to be a storyline throughout the season they're committed to having a strong and prolific air attack and, and, and getting chunk plays through the air but they're not going to ignore the run game and you can't ignore Tyson Williams he had a better yards per carry average than Zach Moss last week <laughs> difference is Zach got four times as many carries as Tyson Williams and as Jeff Grimes described first half game plan was one thing second half was going to be more between the tackles with Tyson but they never really got to that opportunity then they became uh, first of all the number of plays only 18 snaps after halftime and then the game got away a little bit and all these things kind of changed but uh, I, th- I think we'll see a better and more productive run game I think that O-line's ready to roll I but really do doesn't everybody feel better now I do having worn the blue yeah. goggles for yeah, a few a moments yeah. okay I think all of us were watching that Tennessee Georgia State game last week and and as it was progressing like wow this is this is crazy and then when you realized what the end result was going to be you immediately said well, well what does this mean for this week what do you think how do you think the loss to Georgia State by Tennessee affects BYU's chances of going in there and winning well I, I think both teams are equally um, dinged right now and, and equally uptight and equally upset but the, but the, the impact is greater because it was Tennessee at home as a 25-point favorite. You lose that game, and it's end of the world. BYU loses a ninth straight to Utah. It's a bummer. It's a drag. When's it going to turn around? But you can see kind of why it happened and how it happened, and you think you're better than that. And Utah's a really good team. BYU lost to a top 15 maybe top 12, top 10 type team, and Tennessee lost to the 10th place pick in the Sun Belt. So, <laughs> so the, the, the losses have different weight, yes, right? Yes. I, I think BYU is more to feel good about than maybe Tennessee does right now. That said, they've got to go show it, and they've got to show that what Tennessee's uh, weaknesses uh, were last week can still be weaknesses and exposed by a BYU team that should be able to take advantage in certain spots. But BYU and Tennessee played a similar game in a lot of ways. Um, they, they they both turned it over three times. They both gave the opponent short field scores uh, and or pick sixes in BYU's case. Uh, they didn't run the ball well. They were both in the, in the 90s in yardage, and they both gave up 200-plus in rush yardage. So there were a lot of similarities in how those two teams performed in week one, but BYU faced a better opponent and I think would have expected to do better um, you know, despite what we see in terms of those stats, especially in the minus three. Um, and I, and I just, 
I, I just wonder who's going who's gonna to have the bigger bounce back, the bigger rebound, and show that their first week was more of an illusion than the other uh, right now. Uh, because, I mean, the talent is there. I mean, Tennessee, with a lot of these same guys, beat two ranked team li- teams last year. Um, so, so they have talent, and it was really an underperformance. They actually outgained Georgia State. They, 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 they had 400-plus yards. It was the turnovers, uh, minus three. And, and including short field scores that really hurt them. You could argue that you know those points off of turnovers and BYU's points off of turnovers given to Utah really did the, the, the difference in both games. I am of the opinion that if BYU can go in there and perform well and survive the hornet's nest that I think will be there in the first quarter specifically, then the Cougars are, are in good position. If BYU jumps out to an early lead, and I know statistically it's great, but just emotionally, then it, it's almost like, Panic and doom set in on Tennessee again. Right. And they have more to worry about at that point. Like, is it happening again? The fans are going to start to rumble and grumble. The BYU fans there are going to be heard. That's the thing. You're going to have a BYU pocket of fans that when things go well, Tennessee fans will be like, this is a little different. That a team from this far away is coming and has a fan base here. Uh, I, I really do believe that starts are huge. Um, BYU's first quarters have not been great in the Satake area. They're slow starters. They really are. Um, and it's just kind of, kind of a consistent slow starts. If they can remedy that this Saturday, if, if they can just score first, even just scoring first means a lot. BYU wins about uh, 36% of games when they, when they allow the first score, and they're winning in the low 70s percentage-wise when they, when they just have the, just, wow. just the first score. Wow. So it's about twice the win rate when they can just get out and score first. It just means so much to this team. Um, and the and bottom line is, you got to score to win. I mean, BYU has lost 14 straight games when scoring fewer than 21 points. You can't score in the teens and expect to have a shot, really. Uh, it's been, the last time BYU won a game with 20 was uh, Portland. They beat, an FC, beat Portland State, an FCS team, a couple of years ago. Got to score to win. Uh, and, and, and college football these days is a high-scoring affair. I know that BYU played a really good Utah team. It's tough to put up 12 points and say that's who we are because that's really not who BYU is. It was last week. But there were 74 teams that scored 30 or more on week one of college football. It's a high-scoring game these days, and you just can't be down where BYU was. And I don't expect them to be. Got to score to win. And uh, that's not a great revelation, but it's pretty true that, that BYU is not winning lower-scoring games these days. Greg, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for coming pleasure in. Pleasure always mine. All righty. Let's move on, Jason. Let's right. keep the energy high. Let's Positivity. Do it. Hey, Let's go. Speaking of positive, a fantastic story about women's head volleyball coach Heather Olmstead with a surprise guest. Ah, uh, Yes. An A-lister for sure. Absolutely. And we go between the lines with the real Great Lake of Utah. An explanation next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live on BYU TV. Simulcast on Sirius XM Channel 143 BYU Radio. If you're just joining us, Greg Rebell brought some serious stat knowledge about why he feels like BYU is going to take the next step at Tennessee. And we're discussing which team needs it more. You can step outside of your BYU bias. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Yes, the Cougars are off to Rocky Top this Saturday. First time ever they face Tennessee. BYU football head coach Kalani Sitake said yesterday he's looking to his offensive line specifically to be an advantage over the Vols this Saturday. Kickoff, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Countdown to kickoff. Get you set for that game one hour before kickoff on BYU TV at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. Radio pregame starts two hours before kickoff. Yeah, it does. On BYU Radio. 
BYU basketball coach Mark Pope said he hopes to have senior guard Zach Selyus back for the season opener. Selyus returned early from the team's trip to Italy after breaking his foot. Hope you get better soon, Larry. Assistant coach Chris Burgess, did you get that, Larry? Oh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, huh? uh-huh, uh-huh. Said he expects other players to step up in the absence of Selyus and Yoli Childs as they prepare for the season. BYU women's soccer into the top 10 at number 10 in the new United Soccer Coaches poll following a 7 to nothing win over Southern Utah last Friday. Cougars undefeated 3-0 have outscored their opponents a combined 10-1 this season. Elise Flake leads the Cougars with three goals. BYU hosting rival Utah on Friday, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on BYU TV and on BYU Radio. Jason Shepard will be on the call on the radio side. Looking forward to that one. And BYU women's volleyball ranked number 13 in the ABCA coaches poll. Now the Cougars opened the season at home with wins over Boise State and UVU and then dropped a uh, home match to number 16 Marquette. BYU will host Long Island, Sam Houston State and Weber State this week in the doTERRA Classic beginning Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific. It has been stated on a few occasions on BYU TV that 70 70- 71% of this earth is covered by water, and the other 29% is covered by all-American libero Mary Lake. She just does not let anything drop. That said, BYU women's volleyball starting 2-1, and one, and understandably a fan favorite is Mary Lake from the first moment she stepped onto the court at the Smithfield House in her freshman year. Now into her final season as a Cougar, she reflects on her career to this point at BYU working with the senior national team for the United States of America, and what kind of a legacy she wants to leave. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. This is the story of my life. Chapter one, my childhood. I grew up in Palm Springs, California. I'm the youngest of six, and I grew up in a volleyball family. My high school coach says that when he coached my sister, you could just hear during silent parts of the game a little thudding in the backcourt, and that was just me passing a ball the whole time. Chapter two, my high school years. I went to high school at Palm Springs High School. I started playing varsity when I was a freshman and was probably scared out of my mind. My junior year, we won our CIF, which is kind of like state for California and it was a dream come true. I thought I could have died in that moment and been happy. The start of my senior year, two days into practice, I tore my ACL. So I spent my last season on the sidelines doing as much as I could for the girls. The craziest thing I ever did in high school was, I don't want to admit this, me and my friend snuck into Coachella. It wasn't sneaking in, it was just kind of going and my parents knew what was happening. I'm not saying to do it, I'm not saying to go to Coachella, but that's the craziest thing I've done. And then I graduated high school early that December and came up to BYU. Chapter three, my college years. The thing that got me to come here was not just the volleyball program because that's great too, but I knew that if volleyball ever went away, I would still love being on campus and being at the school. People don't realize that, that you don't just pick the school for the sport, you pick the school for the school. And it's made me love my experience here at BYU. Chapter four, Team USA. I didn't really know that I 
if I wanted to go to play with USA this summer because it's a big commitment and it wasn't just all glitz and glam like a lot of people probably thought it was. So I was talking to the head coach, Karch Cry. The last day I had to decide, I called him and I said, yeah, I'm gonna go do this and I'm excited and I had time to think about it so I was actually fully committed. I get to USA and I'm kind of all alone and I don't know any of the girls. I started training and honestly, the first week I thought I should be done with volleyball for the rest of my life. But it was hard. Everyone around me was top level, top notch, and I was just, I didn't know anyone, didn't really have any friends. And then I found out that I was making the team that went to play with VNL, and I was like, that wasn't part of the agreement. I didn't think I was going to be making any teams, and so it was about 54 days on the road with volleyball, and I became so close with the girls, and that's probably the thing that I take away from USA is that no matter how you're doing, if you make connections and relationships with the people around you, it helps the team because the team plays better and it helps you able to get in every day and be excited about practice. I really felt like I had a role in USA and that role maybe was a lot different than my role at BYU, but they appreciated me for that role and they appreciated my strengths and the things I brought. That's an experience not a lot of people get and it's really humbling being able to be on the court and supporting your team who qualifies for the Olympics. I probably don't appreciate it as much as I will realize I should, if that makes sense. When my time as BYU Cougar comes to an end, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I don't really have any expectations for this team this year. I just want to leave a culture that's sound and that's solid, and that means being a leader who doesn't complain, who comes in every day excited to get better, doesn't put themselves above the younger girls, who takes her academics, ward activities, everything seriously. People won't really remember the volleyball all that much, but they'll remember how I treated them, and that's probably what I hope to leave as a BYU Cougar. That's so sad. Mary Lake, always classy, and has a fantastic personality and sense of humor. Let me tell you, she is one of the best. If there is a role model for young women to look up to, Mary Lake <laughs> Is, is probably as good as you're going to get. She is fantastic. The craziest thing she's ever done is sneak into Coachella. She, I love it. We didn't really sneak but in. It we just wasn't really a full-on sneak in. Mary, you're, you're, she's an angelic, great. you're an angelic she's person. She's great. Angelic. And a really, really good volleyball player. Can't wait to watch her with Team USA. Yeah, coming up, where is BYU women's soccer in the rankings? Uh-huh. And plus the incredible story of BYU women's volleyball head coach Heather Olmstead. It's a miracle she's with us today. How a mother's love is behind it all. You go deep blue. This is BYU Sports Nation. Between the Lines is presented by Tim Daly Ford and the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This Saturday, count on the kickoff. Get you ready for BYU and Tennessee. We'll be live in Provo and in Knoxville. 6 Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on BYU TV. It is countdown to kickoff. We should note some breaking news that happened about 25 minutes ago. The NCAA announced that BYU has been denied their appeal in regard to the vacated 47 wins for former head basketball coach Dave Rose. 
As a result of the investigation into Nick Emery's receipt of improper benefits during the 2016-2017 season, that is an approximate time frame, a statement from the university says, BYU is concerned about the harmful precedent that this case sets and the message it sends to NCAA membership who may now be punished with the vacation of records, regardless of whether the institution knew about or participated in the violations. BYU strongly disagrees with the NCAA imposing this penalty in a case that included clear findings that there was no lack of institutional control, no failure to monitor, and no head coach responsibility for the violations. We'll end the quote there. If you want to hear the full discussion with Greg Rubel, download the podcast. Now on to bigger and more positive things once again, Jason. Heather Olmstead, the BYU women's volleyball head coach, has worked miracles, and she is a miracle. She has her team ranked 13th in the nation right now, went to the final four last year, seven straight sweet 16s for this program. But you probably don't know what happened with Heather and her twin sister and the fact that that they're even – because they're with us, it is miraculous. Here is an unforgettable deep blue story with head coach Heather Olmstead and her family. I grew up going to the beaches with my dad and we were able to watch really high level volleyball and he was able to coach me. I really just learned a lot about life and doing things you don't want to do. He really gave me self-belief that I could do anything I wanted. That's really been why I've wanted to give that back to others. When you start naming off top coaches, you're naming a bunch of people that are a lot older than she is. She has the highest winning percentage of any coach in history. When she took over, it really hasn't missed a beat. Heather's success at BYU almost didn't happen. Just a normal pregnancy, excited to be expecting my fourth baby. I started with a cough and it Concerned the doctor after about three months, and we discovered that I had a tumor in my lung. Things were happening so fast. It was like different opinions were happening daily from different doctors. And it was just barrage. Each time I'd go up there, there'd be a different diagnosis and a different opinion. It seemed to be fast growing and that they felt that I only had three months to live if nothing was done. And that was just, what? I was advised by doctors that I should abort to save my life. Then the doctor decided to take a final ultrasound scan of the growing fetus. I was awake during that scan, and when I heard one of the doctors say, Oh dear, I wondered what they'd found now. But everything changed for me when the doctor said, You are carrying twins. In that moment, I said to myself, The Lord did not allow me to conceive twins, only to abort them. I'm going to deliver the babies. If I die, I die. Believing she had three months to live, they wanted to try to find other options and other people that believed what they did in not aborting the babies. You have to remember that all of this is pre-electronic uh, era. All I remember is it was a Sunday. I went across the street. There was a payphone. I called Dr. Nelson. The doctors here say it's this. They say it's this, that I have to do this. That. And I remember him being not gruff, but being very firm and saying, young man, do you want to talk or would you like to listen to me? 
So I listened to him, and I just felt comfortable with what, what he had to say. Well, I've got the record of my work on her right here, so I'll read it. The date of this operation was June 16th, 1980. This patient, 30 years of age, is pregnant with twins. She's about 16 weeks into her pregnancy. And she had symptoms of cough and shortness of breath. So her obstetrician got a chest X-ray, which revealed a large tumor in the right lung. I operated upon her at their request that the only way that we could remove it surgically was to take out the whole lung. It was complete inspiration and revelation on that surgery table that he received to know how to navigate that treacherous surgery. This is the kind of an operation that doesn't happen very often. In fact, one time in my career, when I got down to the very most crucial part of the operation, I found that there wasn't a way I could get the tumor away from the heart. There was only room for the blade of the scissors. So I cut the artery and put my finger in the pulmonary artery. And he said, I put my finger in there and did the surgery with one hand. And then put the stitches around the artery and pulled those up and pulled my finger out and tied them down and she survived. So it ended up not just being about the tumor, it ended up you know, being the journey that our family took. When she gave birth, had many complications. She needed to get blood transfusions and so through that she contracted hepatitis C. They didn't know the treatment for it. They didn't know the life expectancy, but they knew it was life-threatening. So I spent a number of years learning how to deal with that, not knowing that someday they would find a treatment. Growing up, our mom always treated Heather and I as miracles and said we were her miracle twins to anyone she met. She is an unbelievable mom to all her, all her seven kids. I think that my mom showed us that we can do hard things, that we can make a decision, stick with it, and see it through to the end, and that we can accomplish and overcome any hard trials that we might have in our life. Can you imagine the courage of that woman when the doctors in California had not been able to remove it surgically and really couldn't help her? She was willing to lay her life on the line for those children. It's a miracle that I'm alive, and I'm grateful for the example of my parents and my mom and my dad who've taught me how to love and how to work hard and how to believe, and I want to give that to others. I don't think she was saved just for this, but I think this is her mission. Her ability to coach and use what she has seen and learned through her whole life and change the lives and affect the lives of young women. At the end of the 2018 season, uh, we were out at the Final Four and they recognized Heather as the National Coach of the Year, which is a really big deal. As a coach, that's the highest award you can get. But the coolest thing about Heather is she doesn't need those accolades to change how she feels about herself or how she continues coaching. What was special is that she asked us to come with her when she was receiving the award because she always tells us that it's a team award and 
She never made it about herself, but she made it about the team. I can't imagine being at this program without her as our coach. I want the young women on our team to learn never to give up, to always go after what you want throughout their life. They're going to go through hard things, and so we just need to keep pushing one foot in front of the other with faith, and we can accomplish many, many things together as a team especially, and win and lose and still be kind and loving and be a great example to the community and many people who are watching our team play. Just an unbelievable story. It's one of the best stories I have seen ever. It's fantastic. And I'll never forget when we we saw this, and I had no idea what was coming, and to see that the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was the doctor was unbelievable. (laughs) It's great to have the Olmstead clan with us. Can't, Can't say it enough. All right. We'll keep it rolling. We've got the whip coming up next. Yeah, a projected bowl opponent for BYU in Hawaii. We'll let you know. Where does CBS Sports rank BYU football in the 1-130 to poll after the Cougars' season opening loss? Where they rank Tennessee. Yikes. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guests, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, and BYU Women's Volleyball All-American, Team USA participant, Mary Lake. The show's on demand via podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Spencer, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Basketball. In some breaking news this morning, the NCAA announced that they have denied BYU's appeal of the Nick Emery case, forcing BYU to vacate 47 wins over two seasons. The university said in a statement this morning, quote, a key mission of the NCAA's infractions program is to, quote, to prescribe fair and appropriate penalties, today's decision is unprecedented and unfair to BYU and other institutions committed to compliance, end quote. During his recap of the Italy trip, men's basketball head coach Mark Pope says he hopes to have Zach Selyus back from injury for the start of the season. Get better, Zach. Football. SI.com projects BYU to face Fresno State in the Hawaii Bowl on December 24th. And The Athletic drops BYU from 54th to 67th in their weekly college football power poll. In case you were wondering, Tennessee plummets from 64th to 98th. Oh, CBS Sports is in on the fun too, Jason. BYU ranked 55th in Tom Fernelli's latest poll. Tennessee at 102. <laughs> Week one freakouts. I love it. Now for today's rise and shoutouts. My rise and shoutouts going to go to the great Taysom Hill. Taysom was introduced yesterday as the new Saints analyst on WDSU TV in New Orleans. Is there nothing that the man can't do? <laughs> the best part was one of the responses says, let me guess, he'll probably also do the news and weather segments. <laughs> I love it. Keep it up, T. Hill. And my shout-out goes to BYU former basketball head coach Dave Rose. Dave, whether or not the NCAA decides to vacate these wins, we saw them, we experienced them, and they're not going anywhere in the annals of BYU fans' collective heads. You are the winningest coach in BYU basketball history. You will stay that way. No ridiculous, unfair suspension or ruling can change all of that. Well said. All right, our question of the day. And our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Marcus Tightcomb on Facebook. Vols certainly need it more after an embarrassing loss last week, but I fully expect 
the Cougs to march in there and get the W. For Jason, I am Spencer. Sorry, Dennis Pitt, I ran out of time. Go Cougs. <laughs>